Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. I am Joe DeSena, founder and CEO of Spartan, and we are your resiliency partner. What does that mean? It means we want to rip you off the couch. We want to get you to do the things deep down you want to do, but something's holding you back. We want to get your sneakers on in the morning. We want to get you running and swimming and biking and just living life to the fullest. How are we going to do that? I interviewed this guy, Andy Ramage. He has got the secret pill. I know I sound like some late night TV sales pitch man, but I'm telling you, he's got a pill. You take this thing. And by the way, you don't have to buy it. This is basically free. You take this thing. You're going to have better sleep. Your sex is going to be better. You're going to be more productive. You're going to, everything in your life is going to be better with the snap of a finger. Listen to this guy. He's got a company called ONYB. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. Stay tuned till the end. We're going to apply. Maybe we'll get you some of these pills. You're going to love it. All right. We are here for Spartan Up Podcast in central London with Andy Rummage, uh, pronounced just like Rummage. <laughs> it's Andy Rummage. Rummage. It's Andy Rummage, just pronounced just like when you rummage through garbage. Um, one year, no beer. What is this thing, one year? No, by the way, I don't know anything. I don't know this guy. We met for the first time this morning. We did a workout. Right. I forced him to take a cold shower without me. And, uh, and we're going to get into it here. So yeah. before we get into One Year No Beer, which is your new venture, where'd you come from? Where were you born? Where are you from? What's your story? Um, so I was born in East London, a place called Dagenham or Darjingham. I'm at it again. I'm trying to turn Dagenham into a posh place. But uh, it's, it's a really a blue collar part of East London. Then we moved out to Essex. And in a roundabout way, I ended up back in the city of London. Uh, nice. But yeah, sort of East London, born and bred, really. And you had a perfect upbringing, parents got along perfectly, no divorce. What was the story there? No, really lucky. Mum that was able to stay at home with us kids. You know, again, we didn't have too much, but I had two brothers who I loved more than anything in the world. And all I had was a BMX and football, soccer. Soccer's my big thing. So I just played soccer, out on my bike. That was me, happy out. Were you any good at soccer? Yeah, I signed with a professional club when I was 10. Um, and then at 16, I left school to follow that dream and become a professional footballer. But I figured out quite quickly, uh, to my dismay, that I actually wasn't that good. Like, I was tipped for the top. I was tipped to play for England, in fact, by my mum. But I wasn't actually that good. But it was great. I left school at 16 to follow the dream, and I, mm-hmm. I figured it out quite quickly. I wasn't good enough, and that's when I got into self-development. That's when I got into reading books, especially. So, so you know, this is like the fifth or sixth time in the last few days where I've heard um, an athlete growing up like that doesn't quite... It's just not quite enough, which must be in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, where they're, they're good, but they're just not the best. Yeah. Right? And, and do you think most then uh, catapult themselves up like it sounds like you did, or you think they, they get... I think it's... Uh, they go probably, the other way. Yeah, I think it's the exceptional few that actually come through the other side, and, and I figured it out quite quickly. I wasn't good enough, as I mentioned, so I had to think differently, train differently, eat differently, and in the end, I became a professional footballer. I scored in the professional league against all the odds, because there was kids nice, way better nice, than me. Nice, nice. This is Knuckles. When I put my fist out, <laughs> right. that's a, that's a fist that, bump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that a fist bump? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm just picking up on this stuff now. Um, but yeah, I made it, and at 21, I got injured. And it was all over. Just when things were getting exciting again, right. I was finished, right? And that's heartbreaking. I cannot tell you how heartbreaking it is when from the age of 10, Which, again, most people, right? They, yeah. And then they, they fall off. Fall off, but luckily and then what? I came back. And, and I've said it before, the best thing that football ever did for me was taught me about failure. Because I failed loads of times. No, but your life at that point is completely uh, turned around. You, you totally. can't... You, 
your whole your dreams are shattered. You spent all this time doing all that work. So now what? So now what? Um, I went off, traveled the world uh, with my. No, no, my, but go, go back to that oh, right, moment. Okay. That moment in time. You're injured. You come to the realization. You're done. You're, you're like, what do you? You dust it off, and you're happy as can be. Uh, no, not at all. I was um, in pieces for about about three months. Not, I wouldn't say depressed, but I was just lost. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. You know, luckily, education was a big thing for me. So even though I left school at 16, I did very well at school. Um, so I was confident that I could go back into the world somewhere. I didn't know where I was going to fit into the world. I got a job at our local bar, funnily enough. Now, here I am with one you know beer. I had a job for one day, and I got the sack. You got fired in one day. <laughs> one day, it was my first job outside of professional football, was to work in a bar behind the bar. And somehow I managed to add up the till wrong and at the end of the day they checked the till the till was down and they fired me that? so that was my step into the big world and was like oh my god I can't even I can't even manage can't that a, what am I going to do can't a bar yeah one of my fears um, we have four children and I didn't grow up in a sports family at all but my wife was professional footballer and she um, we're, we're pushing sports hard and one of my fears is we're not teaching them the things I learned, which was how to add the till and do those oh, things, yeah. that you're, right? And so I wonder if, because so few make it in sport, yeah. but everybody's got to work. That's right. Aren't I better off yeah. teaching those skills? And I think that's right. I mean, I was lucky. So when I went into football, as mentioned, um, and I did my GCSEs, which is you do at 16, I was probably the only guy out of 20 footballers that actually cared about his results. Most of the guys didn't care. Right, because they, they, be they were going on to be football. In their mind, they right. were going to be multi-millionaire footballers. In my mind, I loved education, and I did really well. Even though I couldn't add up a till, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. I, I made a mistake somewhere along the lines. But um, in terms of my education, it's always been a big thing for me. And ironically, I've just completed my master's degree. Nice. So having left school at Fist 16. Nice. Yeah, uh, I completed it about two weeks ago in positive psychology and coaching psychology. Because I was like, I'm going to go back and get my degree. Congrats. I did that, and I went back and got a master's degree. And how old are you? Uh, 44. Hard to do. A lot of yeah. people won't do that. Yeah, I did it whilst running the brokerage, whilst creating one, you know, beer with Ruri and doing all the other things that I do. I, you know, diligently turned up every day, did the degree. So I've been doing that for about seven years. To get the to degree. Get all the way through, yeah. Oh, wow. To degree, then master's degree. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and so, maybe a PhD. So, so you go on a trip around the world? So I spent some time, actually, to rewind, I spent some time in Ireland. I spent about three years in Ireland in between, worked over there in IT, met my wife, played football out there a little bit, but my career was pretty much finished. Loved Ireland. Ireland's one of my favourite places in the world. My wife's Irish. Why? Um, the people are beautiful. Not to look at, just in terms of the crack and the fun, and I just loved Ireland. Coming from a really big city, busy city, when you go to Ireland and it's rural and it's a slower pace and people know your name and they say hello to you in the street, it was just... I couldn't, it just blew my mind, you know, I was really attracted to that side of things, getting to know people a bit better, I just fell in love with the place. I also fell in love with their pubs, the truth be known, you know, I was drinking, right. a, you know, not excessively, but I was socialising a lot, let's right. say that much. Um, what, what is excessive drinking? Is three beers excessive? Average would be five, six drinks, I mean, that's just a, you know, that's a warm-up type of drink, five, six pints, you know, which is the big per day. drinks. But that's not exceptional. It's not like we were, ex you know, everyone else was doing the same in our peer group. Everywhere we looked, we're doing the same. Not per day at all, no. Um, once or twice a week. Got it. But then it could blow out to ten drinks. Right. But again, this is not exceptional stuff. This is standard. This is normal. Right. I want to be part of the group. Yeah. And you naturally then get caught up in this same uh, trap, which we can get to later. But everyone's caught in at the moment. People can't see it for what so, it is. So you're in Ireland. You're having a blast. You're drinking like everybody else. Yeah. Now what? So then we pack up our bags and decide to go on a bit of an adventure. So we 
travelled around Asia, ended up in Australia. Um, again, another place that I fell in love with. You know, I was very lucky. I got a good job out there. My wife, uh, Tara, was on my uh, visa. And uh, we're going to stay there forever. Another move of, let's just stay. This place is amazing. Are you married yet at this point? No, I'm still not married yet, but it was outdoors and it's fun. I'm sure you've been to Australia. It's a beautiful place. How um, old are you at this point? Um, I'm now 26. 26. 26, loving it, having a great time. We went to New Zealand on holiday. It was cold, it was green, it was lush. Both of us must have been homesick. Packed up the next day and we came home. Came home to London or came home to... Came home uh, to London and the idea was to pass through to go back to Ireland. I bumped into my brother who happened to be one of the biggest traders in the oil market and he said, no, 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 don't go to Ireland. I've got a job for you. I need need you to try this out. I think you're going to be really good at it. And he sent me up to London um, for an interview for a job as a broker. And the interview, funny enough, was over two bottles of wine in a bar, right? And which I passed with flying colours. Fast forward, I get offered the job in Broken. And I just fell in love with this what thing. Year, what year was this? This was the uh, so 90s? Yeah, so I'm 28 now. Yeah. Um, so a bit later in life, you know, for a lot of people in yeah. that sense. But um, very quickly, I just fell in love with it. It was fast-paced. It was electric. It was like sport for me. Mm-hmm. It was like even the odd slide tackle and the occasional sending off. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. And I thought, this is magic. And in record time, I built a really good business. Yeah. Big business. Um, and I was flying on all fronts. And then fast forward 10 married years. Married yet at this point? No, I got married at 30. Yeah, I've got a couple of young girls, so now I'm... So four, year, four years into the brokering business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now I'm set up, right? <clears throat> Making fast, money. <clears throat> fast forward, yeah. T- let's say five, six years. I'm mid-30s, super successful in a traditional sense. I've got a beautiful wife, lovely two daughters, doing what brokers do. I'm out entertaining, I'm out drinking, I'm living the lifestyle. And I sort of had one of those slow epiphanies where I looked around the office one day and I thought to myself, sort of made it right I've, I've done everything in my mind from that little boy in Dagnum that wanted to make some money to get to this place where happiness resides right. I got the house I got the car I got the cash and I was like a five out of ten in terms of my happiness or well-being it just right. totally confused me it didn't make any sense and I looked around the rest of the office looked around the city of London and I just saw more of the same bodies broken minds broken and homes broken and for me that was the most important thing my marriage was super important to me. My girls were super important to me. And I thought, what is the point in pushing myself further and further and harder and harder? I'm going to wind up dead or I'm going to wind up divorced. Both of those things I didn't want. But, but still hard, because I, I did that job. I, I, I came to the same realization, but still hard to pull the ripcord. Well, yeah. It, it's real money. Well, a big money. And, and you're defined by it. Absolutely. Like, my whole identity was... This guy, right? Larger than life, broker, entertainer, drinker, you know, larger than life type of character. Everything was encased in that identity. But my epiphany was such that I didn't want to run away to a monastery. I thought, you know, I'm going to stay in this business and I'm going to do it on my terms. And that was even braver in many ways because I was like, I'm not running away from it. I'm going to stay and I'm going to do it differently. So I left. I thought, I'm going to leave and I'm going to set up a new business, a rival firm with an unknown company at that stage, I set up a group called Alpha Energy and I thought I'm going to go toe-to-toe with the biggest firm in the market and I'm going to do it on my terms and part of those terms are I'm not going to drink. Which was, so, Al- so Alpha Energy, this new company you're going to yeah. found is going to be alcohol free? Yeah, for me definitely, individually, but obviously out front I can inspire the rest of the team um, and I worked it out quite quickly. Had I been drinking and set that business up, we would have failed 100%. Right. The reason that business was a success, I guarantee it, because in the early days I didn't drink, so I was on the ball every single day. And I'm talking banging the drum every single day. And the reason we got into that business against all the odds were Fridays and lunch times. Because I knew on a Friday 
the whole of London is decimated, right? I knew all the rival brokers would be decimated. It's true. They're drunk, they're drunk from the whole week. They're, they're on they're Thursday night. Everyone goes out on a Thursday night, right. and on a Friday, barely anyone wants to pick up a phone, right? Because right. they're jittery, they're anxious, they're hungry. But you, but you guys are on. Friday's your day. I'm like, on it. Friday's is our day to get into the market. And we right. crushed it on a Friday. And then I knew everyone else went out at lunchtime. Right. And I was like, right, so we'll make our business lunchtime and Friday. And just right. that literally one play, lunchtime right. and Friday, we smashed it. And we got ourselves into the business. We overtook all the rival brokerages. We were neck and neck with Rui's uh, old firm as well, PVM. We were the biggest brokers in the market from nowhere. Bearing in mind, ICAPs and Tullets, all these massive multi-billion dollar companies have been trying to do this for 30 years and couldn't do it. But everybody's drunk. We cracked it in two. Yeah. And we smashed it for that one reason that we weren't drinking. It's huge, right? And this is yeah. what I can't... This is the, the big point that I'm trying to get across to people. It's not about hangovers or tiredness. It's about you being your best in the office, yeah. being your best at home, being the best that you can be. And when you remove the booze, it gives you that opportunity. Well, I'll even go one step further. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but um, I think the easiest thing to do to 10X your business is um, do hard things with your customers or, or, or aspiring customers. Go run a marathon, do a Spartan race, uh, trek across Alaska. You will build a relationship. Like, like That person will never do business with anybody else. As opposed to, let's go have drinks, let's go have dinner. Everybody does that. Exactly. You've right. hit the nail on the head. Aruri actually was brilliant at that as well. We both picked up on it. We were like, look, we can take guys out to get them drunk again. So what? Bore off. Everyone does that. And the clients are bored of it. But when you come to a client and say, we're going away surfing for the weekend, right. they love it because right. you've made the effort. It's not all about drinking. They don't want to sit there and drink the whole time. And you make these bonds that are much more solid sure. than you do in a nightclub at 2 a.m. Yeah, and you're not drunk. Exactly. And then the next day, what do you do? You pick the phone up and you right. do the deal because you're on it. You're not jittery. And I see it. We've all seen it. Yep. You see it the next day. On a Friday morning, people do not want to pick up the phones. I'm using broken as an example, but that could be any sales. That could be customer facing. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. And people don't realize they're tripping themselves up all the time. I agree. I agree. So, but you had a heart issue. <clears throat> all right. Yes. Yeah, so um, prior to all of that going on, my be- dad... Before you talk about the heart issue, why don't we do a burpee break? Yeah. Right, we'll do 300 burpees and we'll come back and talk about the hardest <laughs> Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. This is fist bump again. Fist bump. <laughs> Spartans, if you listen to this show, you already know that spreading the message of resilience for mind and body is important to us. With that in mind, we're creating an event called Spartan World Media Fest, brought to you by ATP Science at our World Championships in Tahoe. If you have a podcast that helps people move forward in their lives, mentally, physically, or as a whole person, this might be a good fit for you. If you're interested and you want more information, send me a message. I'm at Spartan Up Podcast on Instagram. You are much tougher to kill than I thought. <laughs> Guy does 301 burpees. The extra one was the, was the killer fist bump. Like it. All right, so with a heart condition, explain this. All right, so um, my dad had a treble bypass. Fit guy, no signs, was a walking heart attack by fluke. We called it, he goes in, treble bypass. I've got two brothers. The three of us go in to the cardiologist just to get checked out. Precautionary measure. Um, this is just before I stopped drinking, by the way. And so 20, 2010-ish? Anyway, yeah. Right after the financial crisis, maybe? And bearing in mind at this stage, I'm freestone heavier, so 42 pounds heavier. Body fat's up around 35%. I'm unfit, unhealthy, stressed out, maxed out, doing everything you shouldn't be doing, living the broker lifestyle. Go to the cardiologist. And not feeling great. No, I felt, I felt shit. Right, but you got everything. You got but money. I've got it all. Right. Got everything that you sort of assume you need to right. be happy and fulfilled, and it's just isn't, it, isn't it wild, right? You make more money, you climb the ladder, 
as you're getting less and less fit and dying. Yeah. Makes no sense. No. And then that was, again, back to that epiphany. Right. I looked around and went, everyone's doing the same thing, right? right? We just keep going to more material stuff, but destroying ourselves. And I was a great example of that. So we had the uh, cardiologist, the results come back. My two brothers, totally fine. Yeah. Me, I've got the early signs of heart disease, right? In my mid-30s, that's not good, right? Even I know that. And it was, again, another awakening for me. And I said to the cardiologist, look, I'm going to come back. And you're going to see me in a year and I'm not going to drink. And he sort of laughed. Right, because I guess in his mind, he's seen a million people come through that door and say, I'm going to transform my life. Uh, and and then nothing they happens, right? They, they take their statins, they disappear. Yep. Sure enough, I go back a year later. I'm not drinking. I now uh, have a plant-based diet, which is unheard of, right? You can imagine, I'm, I'm a broker in London yeah. who doesn't drink, who eats plant-based, right? It's just the smallest minority in the world. And um, I arrive back, I'm 42 pounds lighter. I sit down, I walk into the room, he says to me, this is astounding. Like, it literally says the world astounding about four times. And he said, your resting heart rate's gone from 68 down to 44, athlete 44. Body fat's at 10%. You've lost three stone. And your but, heart but, is- but that's only because you had taken all those special pills and medications. Or was it because you simply went plant-based and started working out? <laughs> exactly, right? It's not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, it's and just, the doctor is astounded, right? Just defi- what drug are you taking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've defied medical science right. by... Stopping drinking, exercising every day, and, and eating plant-based. It's so simple. So he gets to the, the heart di- disease, and he says, your heart disease. There's a, like almost a dramatic pause, and he says, you've stopped it. And he went, but we're so interested in your results. We went back, and I got the radiologist in, and we had a closer look, and it looks as though you've reversed your heart disease. How cool is that? That's awesome. And it wasn't 100% down to giving up alcohol, right? Because plant-based and exercising. But it was 100% down to alcohol that I had the consistency in my diet, that I had the consistency to exercise. Yeah. It's the alcohol, for me, was the catalyst to everything. 100% aligned. Yeah. So where are you now? Now it's um, smooth sailing, all downhill, nice and easy? Yeah, yeah. So then the, the brokerage goes really well. It ends yeah. up seven times bigger than the previous one. Wow. Yeah. In five years, which I've just left. I walked away from six months ago to start this... New exciting Fest bump. <laughs> adventure with Ruri, co-founder yeah. Ruri, over there at One Year No Beer. And uh, it's probably a good time to start talking about that as well. Yeah, because- so, one, so one, year, one Year No Beer, um, you start up because I guess you felt so amazing. The doctor was astounded and you wanted to bring this to other people. Exactly that. And, and I was like, I want to share this with people. Right? And I didn't know anyone else who didn't drink. I just yeah. didn't know anyone, right? Yeah. And then by fluke, I'd left the, the firm as mentioned. I, I arranged a lunch with Ruri. And what's funny about the lunch is that in my mind I was thinking, ah, oh, this is going to be another one of those where I've got to explain to Ruri, because Ruri was a big party boy like me, right. why I'm not drinking and go through the whole thing. Ruri wasn't drinking either, unbeknownst to me. And he's thinking, I've got to meet Andy, this is going to be a big piss up, and I'm going to have to explain to Andy why I'm not drinking. Right. Get together, both not drinking, both feeling amazing. I've lost all the weight on top form, growing a big business. And we just got together and went, this is nuts. We've got to share this with people. I didn't know how to share it. I still don't know anything about technology. Ruri knows quite a lot. So we set up a website. We put up a little ebook, which we wrote quite quickly. And within, I think, a few weeks, it was downloaded 10,000 times. And we thought it was going to be just a few brokers like us. And it went all over the world to mums and dads and you know, construction workers to IT people saying, your story resonates because it wasn't about giving anything up. We were saying, you're going to gain a ton of you're advantages. Gain, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. a different mindset right. for people because forever they're told, you've got to give this thing up, you've got to give this I up. Just, I just don't up. even understand the conversation, right? Because if we, had, if we had a sports car 
and that's, that's us. Yeah. The, the human body's an amazing machine. It's a sports car. It's a red Ferrari. Wouldn't we want that thing to perform at its best? Yeah. Why don't we want this machine, the body, to perform at its best? I just don't understand it. No, and it's not until you get to the other side, or we say, see behind the alcohol matrix, you just go, I can't believe I was behaving like that. Why, why would I do that? And this is the thing I'm trying to connect people with, and that's why Spartan is amazing, I think, is that you're an athlete. You're an everyday athlete. Why are we any different from an athlete? Why is an athlete that wants to win a gold medal any different from a mum that wants to be a better parent? Or a business person. Exactly. Or an yeah. entrepreneur that wants to have a successful business. There's no difference, right? Yeah. So the athlete is running around looking after their body, looking after their yeah. nutrition, looking yeah. after their mind. Why are we not doing that? And I think when you start to connect with that, as I did and, and Rui has, it super powered my business. My home life was a million times better. You know, my relationships with my kids and my family, which is the most important thing to me, were absolutely, you know, 100%. And I had my energy back and my zest for life and my you know, energy back and my fun. And I laughed more. It was just a no-brainer for me. So we were desperate to share. We put it out there into the world. We had this wonderful reaction. And then Rui and I were too well paid brokers at the time. So in our minds, we said, Let's, we're just gonna give this thing away for free. We're gonna set up courses and we're gonna try and inspire lots of people. And we did that for about two years, whilst being full-time brokers, self-funded the whole thing. And then we realized quite far into it that free stuff cost a ton of money. It's the truth. And we were burning through hundreds of thousands of pounds, especially Rui, even more so than me. And we were burnt out, again, from trying to help other people. And we'd spent a lot of our personal savings. And we were coming to that point where we can't do this anymore. Um, and then we had a meeting, just one of those, let's plan for the next six months. And Rui and I looked at each other, and we were broken. And we said, you know, we can't do it. Let's, let's shut shop. And it was by fluke. I just created this online course. And it was really easy for me to flick a switch to turn it into a paid-for course. So I said, Rue, let's just shut it for two weeks, go away on a holiday, turn off the lights. And we came back two weeks later to what was for us like a little miracle. We'd sold five of these courses. We went, oh, people will pay to learn the psychology and tips and tricks from us. Ah, now we can look at this differently. Maybe we can turn this into a business that does good in the world. We can reach a lot more people yeah. and actually supercharge this whole thing. And we haven't really looked back ever since. Nice. I love it. And, uh, and Rory came uh, to visit with his, with his wonderful wife. His wife is definitely his better three quarters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spartan, yeah. Yeah, to Boston recently. And uh, he permeated my entire family, the in-laws, everybody who, who are from Ireland. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and so they like the... Uh, they like the alcohol, but um, and it's not an easy sell. It wasn't easy. I was watching him in action. It's not an easy sell. No, I mean, and this is what's so interesting. You touched on yeah. it right at the start. The social pressure is immense yeah. to yeah. continue to drink. I mean, yeah. it's changing quite quickly, but when we were trying to stop, that's the reason we set up one, you know, beer as well, and we do all the courses and all the techniques and the tips and tricks and psychology and whatnot is because it's really difficult to stop because when you decide you're not going to drink and you walk back into a social scene, for example, yeah. you get a ton of social pressure. You need to know how to deal with that. And when we first looked at this, we realized there was nothing available to people like us. And just to be really clear, I'm talking about mid-lane drinkers, moderate drinkers, average drinkers, sometimes heavy drinkers. I'm not talking about problem drinkers. I'm not talking about alcoholics. I'm talking about pretty much everyone listening to this podcast because right. that is where everyone who drinks right. sits. Right. They're moderate, sometimes average, sometimes heavy. Right. That's everyone. Right. I'm with you. I'm, I, don't, I don't understand the one glass of wine, the two glasses of wine, the French paradox, all bullshit. The whole it, thing. It's, all, it's, it's a it's, business. It's, we, we know because we're brokers. I was on Wall Street. I listened to conference calls. The most altruistic, uh, nicest CEO, male or female, running a business, 
uh, has to sell more product and make their numbers. Exactly. So, so we, fund, uh, we fund scientists, we fund stories, we fund whatever we have to do so that everybody in the world thinks, more wine, it's going to make us younger, it's going to lower our cholesterol, bunch of bullshit. Oh, absolutely. And so people are caught in this trap where they don't realize because especially the middle lane drinkers, right? Because they yeah. stay in there grinding those gears, yeah. like you know, causing themselves serious health uh, issues potentially. Whereas they're also holding them back from being their, their best, their goals, their dreams, all of these things. It's like kryptonite, I always say, to people's dreams. And you don't realize until you get a break what you really could be. Exactly. So, so what is the psychology? Obviously social pressure. Yeah. What else? Social cues as well. Not just the pressure, but you learn from other people. And I think because alcohol is one of these things that just sort of creeps up on us, right? You sort of drink a little bit in your teens, then you drink a bit more in your 20s. And before you know it, it's ubiquitous. It's every celebration, every commiseration, right. every stressful event. So it just sort of sneaks into your world in such a way that you don't really notice what it's doing to you until you take a break. Right. And when you get a break, you see behind the alcohol-free matrix, it's a different game. And that's why we help people transform their relationship with alcohol. And it's not about giving up forever, by the way. Ruri drinks on occasions in control. It's about getting that total awareness and control back so that you can be your best self. And if it's in any way getting in the way, you can remove it. We want to change the story around alcohol. For the last hundred years, there's only ever been one story. Alcohol will make you cool, sexy, or successful. It's just not true. Cigarettes did that too. Exactly. The same thing, right? Right. So I think we need to change the marketing. We need to, there needs to be more um, alcohol-free marketing, for example. Now, wouldn't it be great if one day one, you know, beer was the advert at halftime on the Super Bowl, or it was on a billboard advertising the truth that actually alcohol-free is cool, fun, you'll be more successful. And I think it's really time to start changing the message around alcohol from now. I love when people say to me, um, you don't understand, the Egyptians would drink, this one would drink, that one would drink. I said it's because they didn't realize why water was making them sick. They didn't know how to filter water. So the beer wasn't making them sick, the water was, right? So you drank more of that, but it wasn't because it's healthier. No, and I think it's just all these misconceptions, but it's changing. And what I will say is movements you know, such as ours, one, you know, beer, alcohol-free alternatives are going through the roof. If you look at the alcohol industry, the one thing that is seeing a huge uptrend are alcohol-free beers, no secos, alcohol-free spirits. So the momentum is here. Millennials are drinking less than they've ever done uh, before. In the last decade, the number of young people that are completely abstinent has doubled. So the shift is coming. coming. Fist bump. And it's exciting. And we're at the forefront of it. I love it. So how can people learn more? Um, oneyouknowbeer.com come and do a challenge with us that's all you've got to do just try it 28, 90 or 365 days you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain and if, and if, they're, and if they're not going to pull that trigger what could they do at home just give them a tip uh, top tip um, buy some alcohol free alternatives just swap the alcohol for alcohol free they are so good they taste great they look great they're a placebo you feel grown up and you skip the ethanol and it's the ethanol that's holding you back fist bump you're awesome we're out of here how awesome was that? I'm a little annoyed that I don't have my partner, Tim. I don't have my partner, Sephra and Johnny. They're not next to me because they are out uncovering the next big interview somewhere in the world. Andy Ramage. Guy was awesome. Guy was awesome. You know, we come from the same industry. I worked on Wall Street for a long time. I understand exactly what he's saying. It's just part of the norm in that, in that industry. If you're not out drinking and partying and doing stuff with people, it's hard. It's hard to do business. But 
But it's more than that industry. It's like it's permeated our lives, right? Somehow wine and beer and this and that and kind of sleepwalking through life in some kind of a daze is normal. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We don't give enough credit. We don't give enough credit to those that are willing to not drink, to live a healthier life. And, you know, not just for adults, but kids. Think about, think about our kids. Check out the interview with Chris Heron. We did an interview, a, a podcast a while ago, with this guy, Chris Heron, who had major drug issues and now is on the other side of that. And, and he says that. He says, look, if we started to, to give some emotional support and help our children understand, they don't have to take that path, even though it's such a norm in society. We would be better as a whole. Check out that interview. But, but for Andy, it's, you know, everything I said is right. It's basically a pill, right? It's basically the ability to snap your fingers and shut off and take alcohol and remove it from your life. If you do that, your sleep is better, you're more productive, you're a better partner. Everything in your life is business? Forget it. How do you expect to do great business, no matter where you are in the food chain of your organization, if you're in a daze? Like, like you clearly understand that you don't drive as well with a beer or two or three or five. So what makes you think you would do anything as well? What you're doing with alcohol, I think, is taking the edge off, right? You're a little nervous. You've got some fear, which ties into another podcast. This guy, Patrick Sweeney, right? He teaches us, he teaches us how to use fear as fuel. And so maybe if we start to understand that more, maybe we'll be more accepting of putting down the drink and not and not having the alcohol. Anyway, I had a bunch of friends and family do it. I don't really drink, so I didn't have to do it, but they got off the beer, they got off the alcohol for 30 days, some are still off a year later. They feel a thousand times better. Try to do it, join the conversation, Spartan up on Instagram. Tell us if you could do it. Tell us if I'm crazy or not. Tell us, tell us why you wouldn't do it. We want, we want to have we basically want to change the narrative. We want to have this conversation. I want everybody off alcohol. I want everybody off sugar. I want everybody doing more burpees. You know that. I'm a little extreme, but I want to see where you are. Check it out. Join the conversation. Hey, 